65 toss power trap. That might pop wide open, rats. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guy, the freaking Super Bowl extravaganza. Uh, this week's show is like Gronk at an after party. It's lit! In this episode, we'll talk about the actual game that's being played, discuss some choice Super Bowl props, and also get to some trivia and the news of the week. But first, with me as always, my main guy down at Almost Wise Guy Central, Andy the prognosticator Attridge, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh man, I, I I don't I don't even know where to start. You know, we got the Super Bowl, the big dance, the game of games, the Puppy Bowl post game show, the Gamblers Delight, Super Duper Sunday. Call it what you like, but I'm stoked because my Niners are finally in it. Yeah, man, it's uh, pretty awesome that on the show we've got a, a one of us is uh, actually got some skin in the game. You've been a Niners fan since we were kids. Yeah, we have, and you know, not to make a cliche about it because you've heard it before, but uh, I actually bleed red. So if you can believe that, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, but I must say that not only am I excited, I'm a little sad, excited about the big game on the weekend, but a little sad that this is our last NFL podcast of the season. So I did want to take some time to say thank you to our faithful listeners, and we have been downloaded in no less than four different continents. Actually, I can check your stat there, Andy. Uh, over 20 different countries have downloaded this podcast, which is wow. pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. It is good. Um, you want to make sure that people in, our, in Albania are up to date on the current odds. I'd buy that for a dollar. We're going to have a slightly different format for this episode. We're going to be throwing out some stats, sprinkle in a little bit of prop bet action and uh, some Super Bowl trivia so you can look like an expert at your Super Bowl party. So how about this, buddy? Let me start you off with a trivia question. All right. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown the fewest postseason passes by a quarterback to make the Super Bowl since who? And if you can, give me the Super Bowl. Oh, a Super Bowl or a postseason game? Super Bowl. So Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown the fewest postseason passes by a quarterback to make the Super Bowl since... Since Tony Eason did it in 1986 with the New England Patriots. No. No. Bob Greasy, Super Bowl Eight, where the Dolphins oh. beat the Vikings for their second consecutive. Yes. And obviously, big yeah. reason why he didn't need to pass, and we're going to be alluding this to uh, when we talk about your Niners, is they had Larry Zonka, an amazing run oh, game. Oh. Yeah, exactly. 33, <laughs> 33 carries for 145 yards, both at the time were Super Bowl records. So Zonka and a decent defense carried the day. So there's a little bit of a parallel there. That's why I want to start off with that one. That's kind of almost a little insight into how I'm looking at today's game. Or this so you're saying, game. Matt, if you can run the ball well, you can win a championship? Yeah, well, when you've got over 30 carries, a running or not even just a running back, if your team gets more than 30 carries, uh, you are guaranteed a Super Bowl win because nobody's lost if they've ran the ball more than 30 times. Well, if we go back to last uh, uh, game, the NFC Championship one, um, Raheem Mostert uh, posted 220 yards in that game against the Packers. The, the only effort that went for more yards was Eric Dickerson in 86. 
for 248 yards as a Ram. And that was a victory 20 to zero over the Cowboys. And yep. to put that in perspective, 1986, Ronald Reagan was president. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Rock Me Amadeus by Falco was one of the most popular songs at the time. And the New York City transit fares rose from 90 cents to $1. And clear up the closing doors, please. With the way Mostert, what did he get? A 220 yards? Yeah. Okay. I guarantee you that the offensive line gained 180 yards. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They were blowing them off the ball. When you're rushing the ball at more than seven yards per attempt, you don't need to pass the ball. You keep it on the ground. And I'll tell you, as a guy that used to play defense my whole career, I there is nothing more demoralizing than a team running the ball down your throat. Because when they're doing that, it's not about pass blocking and finesse. It's literally just your old line is crushing their D line and linebackers. You know, running backs are getting to the secondary and that's, that's what the 49ers looked like uh, last week. Well, for the whole playoffs, really. Well, and, and, and doesn't it surprise you then that Kyle Shanahan's taken heat for only allowing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw eight times? You can't fix stupid. Well, when your running game is doing as well as it is, why would you mess with that? Um, and ironically, it was the same people that criticized him in the Super Bowl three years ago when they had a 28-3 to lead for not running the ball enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't win for trying, right? You know, yeah, you can't. You can't win. You that can't was win. that was sound strategy. You're, you're playing the Packers, and the Packers are a team that can mount a comeback. They got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, of course. Keeping the ball on the on the ground and gaining yards, well, gaining first downs and plays at like seven yards a play. You keep the ball on the ground and you run that clock, and that that takes Green Bay's ability to come back right out of the game. That game was over. Uh, well before the the scoreboard hit sixty minutes, and I wonder how Kyle Shanahan reacted to their win against the Packers. Um, I am never comfortable in games until it's officially over. Um, and once it was officially over, I got bombarded by everyone, and I'm sure I'll feel those injuries tomorrow. Um, but it was really awesome. I had my family down there, and um, my wife and kids, and um, it was just so cool. I know how happy our our players were, how much they wanted this, and um, I was just so proud of how they played and how hard they fought. And Andy Reid. What did he say after the game? Had a cheeseburger and went to bed. Cheeseburger in See, this is another knock against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs because they're not going to win this game. No player on that roster wants to have to hoist Andy Reid up on their shoulders and take that dude around a victory lap. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude. Uh, after you play a football game, hey, let's take Coach Reed on. No, after after you play football games a lot, it's a lot tougher to put Andy Reed up. It is. Yeah. I get that. Why don't you just well, go hit the tackling sleds? Yeah, you, or like a hoist or like a, a some sort of lever. But no, to be sure, this, this is just quite the matchup. And, you know, these two teams have never met up in the postseason before. But we can't talk about the game yet unless we first talk about their quarterback pedigree. So here's a short list of players that have played the quarterback position for both teams. Okay. Steve DeBerg, Steve Bono, Elvis Gerback, Alex Smith, and of course, the great Joe Montana. Now, all the aforementioned went from San Francisco to Kansas City. And there's only been one player to go the other way. Guess who that was, Matty? Well, you know what? I don't think that I can. Yeah, I have no idea. 
Well, there's a good reason for that. That would be Bob the Goose Gagliano out of Utah State. Gagliano didn't have much of an NFL career, joining the Chiefs in 82 and throwing just one pass, by the way, a completion. After three seasons as a backup, he signed with the USFL's Denver Gold and then joined the 49ers in 86. He started one game for the 49ers during a player's strike. He won the game while throwing for just 150 yards and no touchdowns. See, there you have it. Just run the ball. <laughs> All right, we got lots of trivia on this podcast about uh, accomplishments that have happened in the past, but one thing that definitely will be a first on the 2nd of February, uh, that would be a 49ers offensive assistant coach, Katie Sowers, who will be the first woman to coach in a Super Bowl. So from uh, on behalf of Almost Wise Guys, congratulations, Katie. Tip of the hat to Katie. Yeah! News of the week. News of the week. A commercial pilot has been charged with criminal mischief after allegedly writing racist and pro-Trump graffiti at the Tallahassee airport. Police charged James Ellis Dees with nine counts of criminal mischief after he admitted he wrote such things as hashtag MAGA and derogatory slurs towards African-Americans and Hispanics. The graffiti was found mainly in airport bathrooms and the parking lot elevator. When police told him he was identified as the writer after a camera was discovered, Dees admitting to writing some of it. Dees told the officer he had been, quote-unquote, going through a rough time and has anger issues. Where does Spirit Airlines find these people? I've actually heard that they recruit strictly for mega rallies. This guy's a liar. But I sure am glad to know that my next pilot that could be navigating a windy approach into JFK International could be a guy with anger issues. Captain, number look at this. Passengers certain to die. They're soaking up some rays where the sun don't shine. The hottest trend grippling wellness diehards is tanning their cans or perineum sunning as influencers are calling it. In a quote, in a mere 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole, you will re receive more energy from this electric node than you would in an entire day being outside with your clothes on. Uh, in a viral video that has racked up more than 35,000 views, he gestures toward the sun as three naked men lie down, point their backsides to the sky and make sounds of pleasure. You know what, Maddie? Some parts of the body were never meant to see the light of day. And yes, I am talking about the cornhole. I am the great cornholio. I'm a gringo. I have no bunghole. Bungholio. Terrell Owens didn't take kindly to former teammate Donovan McNabb blaming his antics for the downfall of the Philadelphia Eagles team that made it to Super Bowl 39. In an episode of Untold Stories with Bleacher Report, the former quarterback said he believes Owens' contract dispute with the Eagles the following season was a major distraction for the rest of the team and, quote-unquote, broke us up. Owens took to Twitter on Wednesday night calling out McNabb, saying he can't wait to tell his story. Wait, so McNabb is saying that Owens broke up the Eagles. See, that's patently false. Everyone knows Don Felder broke up the Eagles. And I called Felder's representative. And I said, hello, Barry, this is Glenn Fry. I'm sorry you happen to represent the only asshole in the band, but let me tell you something. You either sign this agreement before the sun goes down today, or we're replacing Don Felder. 
That's the final deal. He signs by sunset or he's out of the fucking band. <laughs> Hung up. A deaf man has sued Pornhub and other pornographic websites because he said he can, quote unquote, cannot enjoy video content without closed captioning. Yaroslav Suris, a New York resident, tried to watch videos on Pornhub entitled Hot Step Aunt Babysits Disobedient Nephew. Sepsky Cop Gets Witness to Talk and others in October of 2019 and January of 2020, but could not due to the website's lack of closed captioning. The lawsuit alleges that Pornhub, RedTube, and YouPorn are in violation of the 1990 Americans with Disabilities Act. You're telling me that deaf guy watches porn for the plot? And if so, maybe he's just reading the wrong lips. Besides, you can't use your hands to speak when at least one of them is busy taking care of other business. All right, it's Super Sunday. Let's fire it up with our weekly pick. go to Miami, the magic city, the gateway to Latin America, the enchanted tax shelter, and of course, the home of the 54th Super Bowl. You'll be happy to know, Andy, that uh, your Niners are 2-0 and in Super Bowls in Miami. Well, yeah, lest we forget, uh, the 49ers won their last one there, which was 25 years ago. 25 is way better than 50, which is how long it's been for the Chiefs. And did you know, Matty, the Patrick Mahomes' father... Pat Sr., who was an MLB pitcher, had not even been born before Super Bowl four when the Chiefs upset the Vikings 23-7. This is going to be an exciting matchup, to be sure. Yeah, I, I, I have this as a, as a close Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be... This, these are two really good football teams that are executing well mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. So I'm, expe- I'm not expecting to see last year's debacle. Oh, well, geez, if you could please put me in a coffin. Um, you know, the 49ers get a lot of hate because they, quote-unquote, can't win against teams with mobile quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. But their third loss was against Matty Ryan in the fall. Because trust me, Matty Ice will not be breaking any land speed records with his legs anytime soon. And no, they, they, time, they time Matty Ice's 40 with a sundial. <laughs> uh, well, keep in mind that all those three losses were by a combined 13 points. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of this narrative that Jimmy G can't throw. And, um, you know, Jimmy G was hand-selected by who? Bill Belichick, you know, to take over for Tom Brady. What's his record as a starter? 23-5. and five. He's doing something right, man. It's about winning football games. He's if you've only got to throw the ball games. eight times. And Kyle times. Shanahan handpicked him from the Patriots and gave up a huge first or, uh, uh, draft pick for him. And then they went on to pay him a, an exorbitant amount of money for his contract. So do you think that Kyle Shanahan does not have confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo? Wrong. He does. Um, in the seven games that... Uh, Garoppolo threw for over 250 yards this year. Seven, seven and 0. 
Yeah. Well, hey, man, I don't knock a quarterback for not having to throw the ball a lot. As long as when they get called upon to throw the ball, they're very efficient with it. So obviously his record speaks for itself that every quarterback has turnovers. But he's he does not turn the ball over at an exorbitant rate when they need him to throw either. And case in point, the guy goes in to New Orleans this year and enters a track meet with the Saints. What was the final score there? Like 45-46. Yeah. And who was the one that was winning them that game? That was Jimmy G chucking the ball around the yard like he was he threw for over four forty that game. Right? And and that was against a Saints defense that was pretty damn good this year. So you cannot say that Jimmy G can't throw the ball. It's just that Kyle Shanahan has an old times, uh, like throwback, tried and true way of running the football and playing hardcore defense, controlling the clock, not allowing it to get out of hand. Now, you know, every now and then it does like that Saints game. But I have a feeling like that defense came out hungry versus both the Niners and the Vikings this postseason. Me, the Pardon Packers, me. I mean, Pardon the, me. Packers. the Packers and yeah. the Vikings oh, this season. Yeah, they, they registered, I think it was nine sacks in those two games. Yeah, and that's by the way, that's with a four man rush, right? Yeah. Like the Niners, okay, the Niners average, let's see this here. Niners D have a 33.5% quarterback pressure rate with four or fewer pass rushers, and D Ford is on the field. That's a third. That's the highest non-blitz pressure rate in the NFL this season. And yeah. then they've got Richard Sherman. Don't throw chump receivers his way because they'll get talked about in the post-game interview. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. He ranks among the top five cornerbacks in yards per coverage snap at 0.5. So per coverage snap, they get 0.5 of a yard on Richard Sherman during a game. Passes defended rate, 21%, and passer rating allowed when targeted, and that's 50.1. They've got, I'll tell you right now, if that Niners defense that I saw that came in against the Vikings and came in against uh, the Packers and absolutely brought the wood, Mahomes is going to be running for his life. Now, that kid can make plays, too. Right, Mahomes can make a play. Oh, he can make plays with his legs. But you, if you consistently legs. keep the pressure on him, and don't let them get up the field. I mean, they could they proved they could stop the run by stopping Dalvin Cook, right? Oh, absolutely. And um, you know they shut down the run against the Packers as well. Hey, do you um, want to do a piece of trivia? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I figure we may as well get to some of this. All right. Uh, what do you got for me, there, Maddie? I like this one because it was the uh, 25th memorable Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25. Uh, few reasons it was memorable. Obviously, ending in a last-second field goal miss by Scott Norwood. So they lost 20 to 19. Uh, that was the obviously the Giants and the Bills. Another huge event was Whitney Houston's version of the anthem, which is now considered the standard. Do you know who the MVP of Super Bowl 25 was? I love this yes, I do. Yes, I, I do. I do because he was on David Letterman. It was the running back. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's God, God? damn it! I know his name. Yeah, I remember seeing him on David Letterman the next night. Oh, uh, oh, Jesus! What the what? It was it was the Giants running back. I give up on his name. Okay, yeah, up. you get partial credit for that one. Otis OJ Anderson. OJ Anderson. Yeah, now, we only had 101 yards in that game. 
But yeah. there was a couple of really big key third quarter runs, including a touchdown that he got in that game. And that that drive, I believe, took well over 10 minutes and kept the Bills K-Gun offense oh, yeah. on the sidelines. And that's actually kind of why I wanted to, to give you the trivia because it kind of leads into everybody keeps telling me when I tell them I think I'm on the Niners that, oh, well, Casey's offense. And I look back to three specific Super Bowls that show – that there's been some really high potent offenses out there that have showed up at Super Bowls and crapped the bed because they met with a tough defensive running game. So Super Bowl 19, yep. all the rage in that one. Now that was your Niners were in that facing off against the Dolphins and all the rage was Dan Marino. He was getting all the press. Yep. He had thrown for over 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns that season, both NFL records at the time. And they were expecting the Dolphins to just whoop the Niners. Niners beat the Dolphins 38-16. Up next, we just talked about Super Bowl 25, right? Mm -hmm. The G-Men beat the Bills. Their Kagan on offense can't get going because it's always on the sideline. The well, the, uh, the time of possession in that game was uh, about 40 to 20 in favor of the Giants. Yeah. And I remember a story where uh, Bill Belichick, who was the defensive coordinator for the Giants, went in the locker room and he said to his defensive core, who wants to win the game? Which is an odd question. Um, anyway, Pepper Johnson puts oh. his hand up, and and Pepper says, "Coach, I want to win the game. I want to win the game." He goes, "All right. Well, then you give Thurman Thomas three or four yards every rush." And they're like, "What? You let him get three or four yards every rush, and we let them think that they can run the ball, and they will not do the K gun, uh, you know, to all those weapons that they had uh, at wide receiver." And that's exactly how they won the second half. Yep. Yeah. 20 to 19 was the score of Super Bowl 25. And then the last uh, big offense I was thinking about to get shut down in the Super Bowl was obviously you can go back more recent history in Super Bowl 42. Once again, the Giants involved beating an undefeated Patriots team with Randy freaking Moss. And they beat them 17-14. They got on Brady. They did the things they needed to do. And their offense was able to capitalize on a couple like just key plays. But that goes to show you that just because you got a, a really good offense does not mean you're guaranteed to blow someone out in the Super Bowl. No, and that leads me into my next little um, bit. So if you want to take the score from uh, Super Bowl 25, 20 to 19, here's the reasons why I'm going to support that it's going to be a close game, okay? I've gone through the stats, and here's some poignant ones. Both teams are in the top five in the league on third down conversions, okay? Both teams are in the top 10 in field goals attempted per game. That may not mean much. Penalties per game, they're right in the middle, 6.2 versus 6.7 for KC. Points per game, they were second and third in the league behind only Baltimore. And turnover margins per game, they were eighth and 10th. They were number one and two in the league in points per play margin. And points per play is an excellent predictive metric, which teams will rise to the top. Good teams will. Yep. And you know what? Another one that suggests that it'll stay close is Pat Mahomes. Uh, he has made 35 starts for Kansas City. They've lost eight times, never more than seven points. So, you know, if he's going to lose the game, I don't expect them to get blown out as well. I think this spread, I think the, the spread is bang on. I think it is too. And I'm not going to argue with it. In fact, San Fran has never, um, Never been losing in a game by more than seven points. 
this season. Nope. Uh, but let's go through, through some critical numbers, which demonstrate some different stats that may favor the 49ers. Okay, so I, I think everyone knows this. They're number one in the league against the pass, allowing 174 yards per game. But if you simply look at the last three games for each team, San Fran has outrushed Kansas City 200 to 130 yards per game, a 70-yard-per-game differential. So here's my prop alert, okay? Right now there's a prompt available for Raheem Mostert to score a touchdown at any time at minus 150. Minus 150, that's a lot of juice. But considering he had four touchdowns last game, I like Shanahan to take advantage of him in the red zone. And with Taven Coleman having that separated shoulder in the the game against Green Bay, he's listed as questionable. I expect him to be dressed, but he's not going to get a full workload. So they're going to lean on Raheem Mostert. And I think that 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 type of uh, prop is, is 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 a gimme and the one that you can really put some put some juice behind if you know what I'm saying there, huh? You got the juice now, man. Now over the course of the whole season, San Fran has rushed the ball over 32 times a game. Okay, so compare that to the Chiefs' 23 attempts per game. And so, what are you left with? Well, it's a huge discrepancy in time of possession. A net time of possession for this entire season has the 49ers ranked fourth in the league and Kansas City at a distant 21st in the league. Once again, it's about ball control. In those Super Bowl examples I gave, the teams that were facing the high-powered offense ran the ball, ate the clock, and then played some stalwart D so that when your offense does score points, they count. They make a difference. Now, I there is, like Pat Mahomes is going to get his. And I mean, Chiefs are 7 and 0 versus top 5 pass defenses in Pat Mahomes' career. That's a troubling stat. Also, Andy Reid being 23 and 5 after a bye week in his career makes me a little bit nervous as well cuz so How many cheeseburgers has he had at oh, the end of January though? Not many. I agree, but nonetheless, Andy Reid may not have the best in-game coaching abilities. But that guy coaches them up when it comes to game planning. He is a master game planner. So yeah. now Kyle Shanahan is every bit as good as coming up with a game plan. But when it comes to coaching, KC is not at a deficit. I don't care that Reed doesn't have a Super Bowl. Ultimately, the teams go out and the players play. But I've never had a problem with one of Andy Reed's schemes. He usually is bang on. Plus, they've scored forty or 30-plus points in all four of Mahomes' career playoff games. So that's that right there is, you know, that's a troubling stat. You got to keep that guy off the scoreboard or at least let him get field goals instead of touchdowns a few times. Well, here's a little nook of trivia for you. Um, never in the history of the four major sports in North America um, has a father won a championship and a son won a championship. So Kyle Shanahan might be able to join his dad in the Hall of Destiny for that one um, as a singular family. Thank you, Father, kids. Thanks, Dad. So a big matchup in this game, and it could actually tilt the game in one team's advantage, is the tight ends. Like uh, Kelsey versus Kittle. That is, this is going to be a legendary matchup. You couldn't be more right, Maddie. Um, ironically, both of them have five touchdowns this season, and both of them have one fumble. Uh, recently on an episode of Pardon My Take podcast, uh, Kittle discussed what he does prior to a game. If you honestly want to know, as soon as we come back in from warm-ups, I go puke, Kittle said. 100% every game, 
it does make me feel better. That's uh, that's a that's a weird pregame warm uh, uh, don't you think? He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. I wonder if the amount of vomit correlates to how good his game is. Like if he pukes a lot. Then you, he has a really the good color of it, or the uh, no, like like uh, the volume, the volume, yeah. Volume. Okay. yeah. So, so <laughs> if he does, his like teammates Andy, probably call him Chucky. So if he does the Andy Reid day before the game, then they're uh, they're apt to win. Well, yeah, definitely get all that. I don't think he wants all that grease in him. Uh, Andy Reid hasn't been in any punt pass kick competitions in a while. Well, <laughs> no, no, he probably has. But seriously, in um, and Shanahan's offense. Hey, can I, I say one more thing? Okay, yeah, of about course the punt, you can. Whenever like, people are like, he did the punt pass kick thing. Yeah, all things that involve standing. <laughs> he wasn't running a 40. <laughs> <laughs> he could have had a cheeseburger in his hand while he was punting the ball. Did you see the size of that kid? He did. Yes, yeah, no guys. Like Joe. he's the only head coach that's sponsored by like running through the tires. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. You know what? I'm thinking I could do that right now. Oh, jeez. Uh, where was I going with this, Maddie? We were breaking down the linebackers. Kittle, uh, I believe. Yeah, Kittle, George, George Kittle. Right well, you, you can't mention George Kittle without using uh, Kyle Uzcheck. Um, in the same conversation now. Not only are both these guys great receivers, but they're also great blockers. And my boy, Kyle Ustrek from Harvard, who was technically a fullback, you know, for contractual reasons, has been compared to a Swiss Army knife. And he can run block, and he can pass block, and he can run the ball, and he can catch the ball. And I think this game will come down to see how these two guys match up to the Chiefs linebackers, who, by the way, give up more yards per catch, 10, by tight ends than any other team in the league. And I'm specifically talking about Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson. And for these reasons, I love the prop bet of Kyle Juszczyk to go over 12 and a half yards receiving. Yeah, that that's almost that almost should be a gimme. Well, and it, it, even if you look at his uh, past receipt, or, um, receptions, it's only one and a half. So you can go either way on that one if, if you buy into my thought process on the way this game's going to unfold. Now, let's look at the other side of the ball with Kelsey. His success on Sunday is going to have a lot to do with where Richard Sherman lines up. Now, we mentioned him before, and he lines up on the left side about 95% of snaps, okay? Tyreek Hill usually lines up on the right side of the play of scrimmage. Now he's a right-handed guy. I mean, the right hand is his beaten arm, right? That's how he beats people down. Okay. Uh, girlfriends, uh, oh, geez. kids, um, you know, now if Sherman lines up against Sammy Watkins and allows the rest of that cover three defense, which they like to use a lot, he can, t- uh, they're going to take care of, of, of Tyreek Hill and McCall Hardman. And that's going to open up a lot of lanes for Kelsey, even though San Francisco's linebackers, Quo Alexander and Fred Warner, are one of the fastest duos in the league. So what I'm saying basically is that either Watkins or Kelsey is going to have a big day, but not both of them. Personally, I think that defensive coordinator Robert Sala would prefer to shut down Kelsey 
Ergo, a great prop bet would be for Sammy Watkins to have more than 48 and a half yards receiving at minus 110, or, and this is my preference, three and a half receptions at minus 140. You're going to have to lay a little bit of juice for it, but I think they're going to give him the ball. Yeah, they need to shut down Kelsey if they want to win because he can uh, he can keep it going. On third down, he's that go-to receiver, right? They'll, they'll try to go deep uh, on first or second every now and then to Hill, but when it's third down and they want the yardage, you know, third and eight, third and seven especially, they love going to the tight end. And, I mean, Kelsey's going to get his. He's averaged 73.6 uh, receiving yards per game in the playoffs. Now, that's the most among tight ends in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of five games. Is it really? Uh, it, it is. So th- he's obviously just killing it. However, San Francisco's defense has allowed the fewest reception yards to tight ends this season. Yeah, they I know. played some good ones. Yeah. So and They're going to shut him down first. But yeah. the, that means that someone else is going to be open. And they're just not going to let Tyreek. They've seen Tyreek Hill now a couple times in the playoffs just blow by guys down the middle of the field to catch that long bomb that Mahomes can throw just by flicking his wrist somehow. And I think what's going to happen, too, is you're going to see the corner, whoever it is, on him. And then as soon as he breaks into that back zone, there's going to be a guy that that kind of just hovers over him like a cloud, keeps distance but won't let them get that big game. They're not going to let no, Tyreek Hill zone cover. I think they're going to put zone coverage on, on Hill and um, any tight end secondary receiver. But Watkins, I think they're going to put – I think the 49ers are going to want um, Sherman to go man-to-man with him. Yep. Well, that would be a smart – I, I, I buy into that thought process for sure. I think that's smart strategy for them because you no. have to – you. everybody else has to be shadowed. Uh, yeah, you know they. But you can't, you, you, can't have every, you can't have everybody everywhere, right? But I think that's the best use of their defensive secondary, which is pretty good with Jaquizny uh, Tart there. Oh um, yeah, the, right now, especially because if they want to go and throw the ball deep to Tyreek Hill, that's all fine and dandy. But even if the front, the even if the Niners just rush four. They get to the quarterback. He's only going to have like three seconds to throw the ball. If that. Like with his feet planted. Now, once again, like I said, he, can, right, be, so he can be on the run throwing across his body, flick his wrist, and throw it, you know, 60 yards. But, all right. So, th- Matty, this is really the crux of the podcast. Can San Fran's front four get enough pressure on Mahomes that they don't have to blitz constantly? Like if they could blitz maybe 30% of the plays and not necessarily on first or second downs, they can rule this game. They can rule this game if they contain them like they did with Rodgers last week. Um, and that's what it's going to come down to. And I, I, I don't know what the Kansas City answer is to that. And it's not running the ball. I think that they're going to they're gonna even – throw more often than they did in the two um, two playoff games that they already had. And that's simply to put fatigue factor on the front four. Now, whether I, I don't know what your opinion of that is, but um, I still think Bose is going to have a good game. Games are won and lost in the trenches. Yeah. And there's a reason that, why that's, that's saying, exactly, that's exactly the trench that I'm talking about. Right. And yeah, Bose is having himself a year and a playoff. He is all over the field. 
And he never seems to get tired. That guy's got an endless motor. Well, Jesus crazy. He's 22, right? Oh, hey, 22 or not, he's a special. Like At that young age, you can see what a special player he already is. Yeah. And he, he makes things happen. A lot of guys, you know, some guys can get their stats, but there's guys that are playmakers. And you got a guy like Bosa. You got a guy like Sherman. You got D Ford. You got DeForest Buckner. You yeah. got Eric Armstead. Got, I mean, the list goes on and on. And then I look I across the field. And tap, like, wrap you up. And then I look across the field on the other side when it's San Francisco's offense going against Kansas City's defense. And like you said, they give up a lot to tight ends, the most in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And they are horrible against the rush. Now, yeah, they managed to stop uh, Derrick Henry last week. Yeah, they kept him under 100. But... I think that you're going to see. Uh, I think the Niners were a better rushing team because Derrick Henry's well, the best running back. Uh, Derrick Henry got four rushes in the last half. I think it was. And, wow! And wow. also, if Mahomes managed to get those couple quick touchdowns, I trust Jimmy G's ability to be able to go get it back. Right. So, and okay. So over the past three games, the Niners' defense has given up 17 points per game. Over the Chiefs, has given up 25 points per game on defense. Everyone's saying, oh, the Chiefs' defense is getting a lot better. Well, at the end of the season, you have to factor in the fact that they're playing the Broncos, the Bears, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Not high-scoring fluting offenses. So, yeah, that, those stats are going to be skewed. Not one but, of those teams had a good rushing attack either. And they didn't. But admittedly, the secondary has improved since the beginning of the season, where if you remember... We said that it had more gaps than a Michael Strahan photo album, right? Michael Strahan's teeth are having a middle school dance where the boys stand on one side of the room and the girls stand on the other. But <laughs> like San Francisco's front four is the baddest of the bad. And since the start of season, um, six, sorry, since the start of last season, 16 of Patrick Mahomes' 17 interceptions have come when the defense rushes on four or fewer players. And you, you alluded to this earlier. When D Ford has been on the field, San Fran has been able to get pressure on opposing passers 33.5% of dropbacks, a figure which would top the league if Ford had played enough snaps. So now you've got Jaquisky uh, Tart, you got D Ford, and you got Quan Alexander back in the lineup. And now they're fully healthy, there's no excuses. Um, these guys are going full force, right? It's not like I, I looked at the injury report and I might as well have not looked at the injury report because there was nothing significant on it other than Taven Coleman's uh, separated shoulder, which we talked about already. So these guys are playing all out and with uh, full capacity as well. Hey, so Matty, are we going to we gonna get to uh, are we picking right now? No, no. I want to give you a trivia question. Oh, that'd be great. Let's do it. So, yeah, what are, we, what are we looking at? A line right now of one, uh, one and a half? One, one and a half? I've got it at uh, two on Sports Interaction. Two? Ooh, yeah. you should shop that one around, depending on who you like. But um, what team was the most heavily favored ever going into a Super Bowl? I've got to say it was the Baltimore Colts, Super Bowl three. Dude, you are very close. You are very close. That was an 18-point spread. However... In 1995, the San Francisco 49ers were 18 and a half point favorites over the San Diego Superchargers. San Diego Superchargers. San Diego Chargers. 
and they fact, covered. And they covered at a score of 49 to 26. Yeah. Now, I should have known it was a Niners question. Well, come on. Now. Damn. Who, who are you talking to here? <laughs> uh, now, another prop bet on scoring. You always see this one, right? It comes up. The first score of the game will come on or after the whatever mark. Okay. But let's look at it. So it'll come on or after the five-minute mark, nearly in a bit of juice at minus 125. But let's look at the last, well, let's say, five years. Okay, Last year, New England and the Rams, there was no score in the first quarter whatsoever. Now, that was a bit of an anomaly at a 13-3 to uh, final score. The year before, Philly and the Patriots, first score was a field goal at seven minutes and five seconds. The year before, uh, New England versus Atlanta, first, uh, first quarter, no score whatsoever, and it ended up 34-28. The year before that, Carolina and Denver, yes, they got a field goal of four minutes and 17 seconds. But the year before that, uh, New England and uh, Seattle, first quarter, no score. Final, 28-24, to which again went over the total. So you would have totals really high, even though there's really low scoring in the first quarter. So you can bet on... Uh, the lowest scoring quarter and the lowest scoring half. And right now, you can also bet for the first quarter to go under ten at plus one hundred. Dude, shop it around. Wow, even money. That's I, I like that. Yeah. Um, oh, KC KC's been a slow starter as well. Even oh, they have absolutely slow starters. So, if, you mean, at, that, that, well, if you look at both the uh, Houston and Titans game. Um, you know, they, they got themselves in a hole right off the bat. Um, even even to think that maybe the first um, first drive line in a punt is a great a, a great bet. I think it's a minus one ten still. Um, that's great. That's yeah, good, I, I think that's a good bet right there. And the the, the other one I do like um, the opening kick to be a touchback is at minus one forty. Now, these guys are amped up, right? They're ready to go. They're not going to take any risks. Any, They're not going to go out of the box. Just kneel down. You take it. And, and the kickers are going to be the kickers are going to be ready to boot it. So um, there's a bet at minus 110 that you're probably going to win. And if you do, think about Andy. You've won it before the game's even started. Yes, you can e-transfer your money to Andy at uh, Almost the, Wise Guys. The at prognosticator. Uh, <laughs> um, so I got a, I got a trivia question for you, Maddie. Who's the only coach to lose a Super Bowl with two different teams without winning once with either team? I actually know this one. That would be Dan Reeves, Broncos, and Falcons. Correct downside. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Not to be confused with Mike McCarthy, who won with the yeah, Denver Broncos. That is correct, sir. And whose offspring will win this week? Anyway, so do what, do you, what, what do you think about uh, what do you think about making the pick? Should we make the pick before we go, or should we do it right at the end of the show? Um, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna tell you a story, Maddie. All I'm right, tell, tell me a story. story. So I was at the dinner table last week with my daughter. She's uh, eight years old in third grade. They're doing multiplication tables. And uh, the week prior was one to five, and this week was six to seven. And so we're going through the seven tables. And I said, Ruby, 
you've been doing this for a long time. You know what it is. I said, what's, what's two touchdowns worth? She goes, well, 14 points. <laughs> I said, what are three touchdowns worth? She goes, 21 points. I said, okay, here's a trick question for you. I said, what's a touchdown and a field goal worth? And no joke, Maddie, she looked at me and she goes, well, uh, did they go for the two-point conversion? Wow. And that's a good young lady right there. You're raising her right, lady. Andy. You're raising her right. I'm raising her right. And at that point, I said, hey, I'm going to get my dog Woody to do the pick, which we'll talk about in a second. Oh, but Woody I said, why not? Pick. Woody's made a pick, but why not let me daughter make one? So I said to her, I said, what do you think this quarter of the game's going to be? She's like, um, so, sorry, who are we playing again? I said, the Kansas City Chiefs. She goes, okay. Uh, 30. I said, don't worry. Just, just throw out a number. She goes 37 to 30, unless her defense plays really well. Well, I book it. Like, I was like, that actually makes sense. Like they scored 37 against the Packers last week. Yep. And I think maybe the Casey offense is worth 10 more points than what the Green Bay Packers put up. I mean, that's sure. a very plausible score. Yep. Um, there's a lot of guys in Vegas that uh, make the profession off doing this thing that maybe not come as close. You got yourself a young little handicapper there. I got a there. little uh, Ruby the Greek there. Ruby That's the Greek. Ruby the Greek. Yeah. And uh, yes, as I said earlier, um, we've done this before on the podcast. Maybe not for new listeners or familiar with it, but my dog Woody is actually a really good handicapper. And I post videos um, for every game that he handicaps. And he did one last year. He actually picked the New England Patriots to win. And spoiler alert, he's already done it. I'm not going to tell you who it is because you need to go to our Facebook fan page, Almost Wise Guys, and you can see video of what he's picked. And I swear to God, this guy's record over the last two years has been uh, plus 70%. This kid is money. Hey, Miley? Oh, 100%. You're raising it right, my friend. Yep. What made me think of that was the fact that nine of the last 12 Super Bowls have been covered by the dog. And, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, my dog, Woody. Nice. Well, hopefully your dogs do cover it because uh, I'm. We, we alluded to it earlier. Uh, the game is won and lost in the trenches. Yeah. And I just think when it comes to offensive line and defensive line superiority, I think the Niners have it on both sides of the ball. Now, are they going to come out and lay an egg like they did against like Atlanta or something like that? Coming, I, There's a possibility, but you know what? KC laid a few eggs this year as well. Yeah. Neither of these teams are perfect. But I'll tell you, if the Niners team shows up that I saw against the Vikings and the Packers, I don't think KC stands a chance. So I, I'm even going to, like, I, it's not a huge money line play, but this is definitely a money line Maddie pick is uh, you're getting, what, plus 120 on it? Yeah, about that. About so, that. yeah, I've got, I got your Niners, buddy. All right. Well, <clears throat> obviously I'm picking the Niners. But my best bet is actually a teaser. And I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers up to the plus seven and a half. And I'm going to take the over of 48. Um, the number right now sits at 54 and I just can't go to bed at night picking either side of that. Cause I think that's a really good number, but at 48, I'm comfortable with the fact that this, this game can go over. Please hang up and try again. 
All right, normally here we do Maddie and Andy's total tease, but of course the uh, well, there's not a whole lot to tease or totals this week. So what we're gonna do is get to some super props. Now Andy gave you some ones that really tie in with the stats. I've got a couple more superficial, fun type things you might want to do. Uh, a big one is the anthem. Everybody likes to bet on the anthem. So I did a little research for you. Right now, the over-under is 124 and a half seconds. So that's two minutes, four and a half seconds. The over is paying, uh, you got to put a little juice on it. It's minus 140, whereas the under is minus 105. Now, the average duration of the anthem over the past 25, pardon me, 28 Super Bowls is one minute, 55 seconds. So that's 115 seconds. That would be under. The longest was Alicia Keys, two minutes, 35 seconds. Wow. The shortest is Jewel, a minute, 27. What? And now let's look at the last two Super Bowls. Uh, in 2018, Pink was one minute, 53 seconds. That's 113 seconds. And in 2019, Gladys Knight, two minutes, one second. That's 121. So those would have all been under. So for that, I'd say take the underdog there, pick the under on the anthem. As I don't think Demi Lovato is like Gladys Knight or even Pink. She's not going to do the huge, huge diva performance. It's just going to be a well-sung anthem. So I definitely would look at taking the under because it's 124 minutes. She's got to go over two minutes. Um, the other one, if you're a Niners fan and you want them to win the game outright or you think they're going to win the game outright and you also think they might win the coin toss, if you parlay the two coin toss and game outright, uh, yes is plus 310. No is minus 520. Sorry, um, explain that one to me again. So if the 49ers win the coin toss and, and the win the game. Outright. Yes is plus 310. You're kidding me. No, that's a great bet, man. A lot of value in that. Oh, my God. I don't know. That's on sportsinteraction.com for anybody that's listening. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of books putting that one out. That's, a, that's, well, that's good, man. I like that. Basically, you're betting on the coin toss. Exactly, right? Yeah, And uh, J-Lo and Shakira, their first song. I think there's two songs that provide value on the floor because everybody's coming out onto the floor for the party. That's plus 615. Uh, however, I think the, the one with the best value is waiting for tonight because it's the Super Bowl night. Everybody was waiting for tonight. And if that's your first song, it'll pay you plus 800. So that is... Uh, that's a fun is that, sorry, is that to be the first song or just being played at all? Nope, the first song. The first song, okay. Uh, now, first touchdown score by position. The one I like is tight end, and that's uh, plus 285, which I think is pretty good odds considering Matt the tight always end. always like the tight end. Yeah, love the tight end. And uh, quarterbacks, uh, if you like going with a little bit more of a long shot, because, you know, you got Mahomes and you got Garoppolo. Both guys are capable of using their feet to get in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, plus 1,000. That's a that's that's some big odds. Well, it's 10 to 1, but I, I saw 8 to 1 for Garoppolo. And then the favorite is the running back at plus 120. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, well, just before we get to my last one here, let's go with a little bit of Super Bowl trivia. Special teams are for special people. Who is the only special teams player to win? Devin Master. No. Sorry, let me let me finish the question. However, I thought you were doing a, a Chicago Bears uh, reset there. Sorry, you I would you would probably be right most of the time. All so right, you're not right. completely wrong. Okay, all right. Wasn't Devin Master? Right, here go. we go. 
So it's not Devin Hester. That's the only clue I'm giving you. Who is the only special teams player to win the Super Bowl MVP award? Charles Woodson. Mm. What? Desmond Howard. Oh, Des. Oh, same team. Sorry. Super Wrong Bowl player. 31. Packers yeah, beat the Packers 35 yeah, yeah, 21. Yeah. And Desmond yeah. Howard had 154 kickoff return yards, 90 punt return yards, and a 99 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Now, that yes. is how you get your team in, in scoring position every time you touch the ball. Right. I'm sorry to bring up the Devin Hester thing. I know that didn't work out well for you guys. Yeah. Rex Grossman is dead to me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that, that one. Yeah. That's yeah. Stupid. We've forgotten about him too, but thanks for bringing it up. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean that. All right, one more prop for you to look at that I like is highest completion percentage. Jimmy G is plus 100. Mahomes is minus 140. And I like Jimmy G as the underdog here. Yeah, me too. I don't think he throws as many passes. The more passes you throw, the more statistically likely it is that your average will go down. Jimmy G, if, the, if you think that the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl, and obviously Andy and I both do, then you know that Jimmy G isn't going to have to throw the ball a ton. Well, and he'll either, he only with the 20 ball. plus yards at six, uh, at a rate of 6%. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I one. like that. Plus 100 for Jimmy G high's completion percentage. So that's it. Those are my props. I And, you know, obviously, if you're watching the pregame show, if you think the Niners are going to win, watch on their sidelines to look at what color the Gatorade is they're drinking because then you can bet on also the color of the Gatorade that uh, both teams are using. Yeah, don't do that. Just don't do that. Um, I went on that a lot. Well, it's a light-colored one, right? Because you played football. You already know it's always white or, like, yellow. Yeah, usually it's the it's the lemon-lime. Lemon-lime. That's slush. what it was. Every, every team I ever played for, man, it was lemon-lime game. So this is an, an official prop bet that you can bet on, but I suppose to Maddie earlier in the week that uh, a drop kick should pay uh, 10000 to one. That's the Doug Flutie special that no one ever does. No one ever does it. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, the Super Bowl extravaganza especial. Uh, this was great uh, hanging out with you all season. I hope you enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, if you like what you heard, please make sure you hit your subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. Hit us up on our Facebook fan page as well because we've got all those picks, and we're going to put a bunch of those props up uh, on our Facebook fan page in case you missed it. From the Coast and Ulster Studios for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a few winners this weekend. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next season at the same bed time on the same bed channel. Sayonara. Good night, everyone. I love you guys. I do amend my carnivorous habits. Made an LS7 today. Losing way well out speedy.